From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week, we are here to talk about all the things we got wrong last week. We are going to talk again about who is going to quarterback the Cleveland Browns, the week that was for the Cavs, the NCAA tournament, and we will check in with an old friend of the show. I'm joined tonight by two of the best ever. Co-host Phil Denko is here. Hey, Gerbs. Thanks for having me. You bet, buddy. And the co-host of the Dog Edition podcast, Chuck Rambaldo, is here. Dog Edition? Hey. All right. Well, it's a current posting on Indeed.com. You must love dogs, easy conversation, and puns. Check. But it pays $42,000 a year. Sorry, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Want a better podcast job than the one you have? Find it now on Indeed.com. <laughs> Do they tape on Sunday nights? I don't know. <laughs> but I'm probably signing up for that because that's a much you better should, gig yeah. than, than, than any of us have right now. Well, we could we could do both. Like this is okay. Just have them record on another night or we'll switch nights, you know, because they're making money. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's not that we're not making money, Phil. It's just that the money hasn't come in yet. Fellas, <laughs> let's go ahead and start what is going to be a busy night and a lot of news this week in Cleveland sports. So we're going to break the show up a little bit differently tonight. Our first segment is going to be FBS in the land, football, baseball, and soccer. And we will begin with football and admitting our own mistakes. Remember that emergency podcast we did just like three days ago? No, we no. <laughs> we're wrong. We were wrong about the Hail Mary, the snowball's chance in hell, that an elite quarterback would not choose Cleveland. Wrong about Jimmy Haslam messing up the football side of things. Wrong about the Browns refusing to let Baker Mayfield break up with them. Wrong about the potential wasting of a good roster. Andrew Barry is smart. We are not. Andrew Barry runs a professional football team. We run fake football teams in the worst fantasy league ever. We don't know what we're talking about. Deshaun Watson is going to be a very rich quarterback in Cleveland for at least the next five seasons. The day we dropped our emergency show, Watson changed his mind and confirmed that a trade to the Browns was happening. The Browns are giving up first round picks in 22, 23, and 24, and the third and fifth round picks in 2023. The Browns get to Sean Watson and a fifth round pick. Who won this trade? From a football standpoint, let's leave emotion out of this for a second. The Browns won the trade, even with the front office that we know has done a nice job drafting. We've talked about this the past couple of weeks, that it's a copycat league and the Rams showed you it's okay to mortgage or bankrupt your near future and draft picks if it means delivering you a Super Bowl or a deep playoff run or whatever that is. So if that's the model we're looking at right now for us to take uh, a top 10 quarterback, how many quarterbacks have we picked in the first round and wasted those draft picks anyway? So um, six and a half. (laughs) <laughs> over under yeah um he, he's young uh, he's not in his 30s you know so, so i think if you're saying just from a pure football standpoint the browns won that trade and let's stick with football because we're going to get to maybe the biggest okay. issue 
glad you said that because I think we made it very clear how we felt about this whole situation yep. just a few days ago on the emergency pod. Please go listen to that if you haven't. The, uh, Please don't listen so, to that. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good stuff. I agree with Chuck. I think the Browns absolutely won this trade. The Browns didn't give up a single player, a single player, proven NFL talent moves in these kind of trades. And we didn't give up a single player. They're giving up draft picks. And now their first round picks, let's hope, are going to be in the high 20s to to low 30s yeah. of the first round, yeah. right? And not to mention even this coming draft, they still have seven or eight picks, maybe even nine. They still have 10 picks in 2022. Yeah. Like I said, they have 10 <laughs> picks yeah. in this coming draft. Either way, it's a bunch of yeah. it's a bunch of picks. So so you the way that works out, especially with this front office, is you start packaging picks and move up. You know, if you want to get back into the bottom of the first round, you give up a two and two threes to someone or whatever, whatever it takes uh, to go after whatever they need going into that draft. So I think the Browns absolutely won. This is this is what this franchise has been missing to compete with the big boys in the NFL from a purely a football perspective. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see that guys like Jadavian Clowney and Jarvis Landry want to come back now because of this. I look at it and I say, well, giving up those first round picks is huge, but you've done such a good job of drafting over the last two years and signing free agents over the last couple of years that suddenly maybe you don't need the draft picks to build the team anymore. I could see them taking some of the 10 picks they have this year, packaging those to pick up picks next year or the year after doing something like that to say, Hey, our roster is pretty well set for the next two years. We don't necessarily need a first round pick to come in and, and fill a spot because we've already got these guys here. We've got some of our best players under long-term deals already. And so our window now is five years and we don't need the picks as much. And so it's going to be interesting to see what they do because I think they've built a pretty solid roster, at least for the next two years. On the football side of things, the fact that they didn't have to give up a Denzel Ward, they didn't have to give up even Baker, so that now he is a piece that they, if they choose to, can trade, you know, this year or next. <laughs> They're in a really good spot to add draft picks back while they already have a pretty solid roster. I mean, all around, we were wrong. We thought this was so dumb. <laughs> Andrew Barry is like five steps ahead of us. Like, no, we can get this guy. We got to give a ton, but we're already in the process of like being able to load back up in the years when we need it. That's pretty impressive stuff. So as I said, I'm pretty sure the Browns are going to trade Baker Mayfield. I think that's what he wants. I think that's what they want. Maybe they've wanted that since, you know, halfway through last season. I'm not sure. But right now, the Seahawks, the Colts, the Saints, and the Panthers are all still looking for quarterbacks. And I would say that Baker is the best available of any of the quarterbacks who are out there right now. Is there a chance that we can get these teams into a bidding war and get something as high as a first-round pick in the future? I don't know. I, I don't think so. I don't think we can get a first-round pick because these teams also know that we aren't really coming from a real strong position here. You know, we want to. We, we would really like to get rid of this guy's 18 mil that is on the books for next year, right? So I don't. I think that might be a bit of a reach, depending. Although I I say that, and depending on how desperate these teams get, you you mentioned teams that don't have a starting quarterback in house. 
maybe this is one of those things like, all right, just sit back and let them sweat a bit, right? Let them make the first yeah. move and then we'll counter. More realistically, I thought, all right, let's get a like a second day pick, you know, two, three, something like that. But I don't know. We'll see that the landscape can change drastically over these next few weeks and these teams start to get a little nervous and maybe we can pull something like that off. If someone could, it's Andrew Barry, right? Oh, I'm going to talk you into it, Phil. Chucky, what do you think? <laughs> I'm not going to play the other side just because Phil went that way. I, I think you can get a first round pick for him because it's a quarterback driven league. And there are, as you just mentioned, four or five teams who are desperate for a quarterback. And it's not like he sucks. Like some people here might think he sucks, uh, but I still think the guy can play and he's a starting quarterback in this league. And not that long ago, the Browns with a shit front office fleece the Colts for a first round pick for Trent Richardson. So, you know what I mean? Like somebody's going to overpay wow. for, you know, like if it's overpaying or not, and it's, it's weird to that say overpaying for in the, the Mexican number one league now. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So I just in, mean, in the biggest I, city I think, in North America. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's real feasible for them to get a one for him. It should be. The gut reaction is to say, well, we don't have any leverage because we just signed Watson this huge deal. Everybody knows we're trading Baker. So we don't have any way to push teams to give us that high a pick. But I think the issue is what you guys have both touched on. Those teams need somebody and those teams don't want to lose out to the other teams. So the first one who's willing to make a godfather type of offer, and it might be the Seahawks because they have picks coming out of the Russell Wilson trade mm-hmm. that they could, that they could give up. Those teams, I think might bid this up to a first round pick because Baker is, if nothing else, like kind of what you mentioned even earlier, Phil, he's a proven commodity. You can win football games. You can win a playoff game with Baker Mayfield. So why not push that number up to a first round pick? I tend to think in my not absurd Cleveland sports fan mind that probably a second or third is where it's going to end up. But I guess knowing how desperate teams can get for quarterbacks, that it's not impossible. This is going to go up to a first round pick, not this year, but maybe next year or in, in 2024. As you were saying that, I was thinking this is a year that what they're saying is not very deep in quarterback in the draft. So maybe a team like the Seahawks. Yeah, maybe you're right. Like, yeah. All right. Why not this I'll year? give up sure. a first round this year and hold on to my first round picks next year because then we get the next quarterback. Yeah, who right. knows? You talked yeah. me into it. Nice job. I told you. I told you. <laughs> yeah. <I'm, laughs> Really good advocate. So <laughs> having covered the football side of things and Phil, I listened to the emergency episode this morning and you were adamant that you were glad that the trade for Watson had fallen through as yep. the guy who was, I think, most outspoken about <clears throat> making sure that didn't happen. Uh, what should the Browns be saying to their fans and maybe even especially their female fans? Although I think this you know, it impacts anybody who wants to root for the team. What what should they be saying right now about this signing and bringing in Watson to be the face of the franchise? The PR push started already today. They released some statements from uh, the Haslam's, both Haslam's actually, I think, co-authored that. And then Stefanski. Guaranteed and, and neither well. of the Haslam's authored that, but go ahead. Yeah, they're, <laughs> Somebody authored that for the Haslam's. They, they have a. Somebody yeah, much yeah, smarter a, than the Haslam's. They have a writer on retainer. I'm quite Absolutely. Sure. So um, they signed it though. <laughs> they signed on. <laughs> yeah. So Jimmy and D it said, so they've already started that. And, and, you know, you read through it and it was basically nothing more than them saying, listen, we've been really looking into the background here for months, not this week not two weeks for months. And they 
focused on meeting with Deshaun Watson in person and trying to explain to him what they expect going forward from a PR perspective, from a, you know, what you're going to do in the community and these kind of things. So they're already, and whether that's true or not, who knows, but they're already starting this PR machine. I did get a call from my ticket rep. <laughs> oh, so, wow. Uh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they call every year to make sure they can still get our money. Um, so uh, as it gets closer to the due date, which is next Friday, and I've been holding out, sending all the money in. And I'm going to, I guess now <laughs> I was anyway, I was anyway, yeah. it did give me some pause. And uh, I'll, I'll, like you said, I listened to our podcast and I, I heard my voice utter these words. I'm going to continue to work for root for the Browns. I always have. I always will. I don't have to like their business decisions. I don't have to like the people on the team, but I'm not going to give up my fandom because of that. I still feel the way I felt uh, the other day. And I felt relief the other day because we didn't, didn't get Deshaun Watson. And now I, I don't know how to describe it other than I feel fairly just strong pull that I am going to now see the best Cleveland Browns football team I may have ever seen. And I'm going to root really hard for that team. And I'm going to feel real good. And somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh man, but that's me in this moment right now. You know, we mentioned, and we like to, to pile on, you know, the Steelers fan base and Ben Roethlisberger and those kind of things. So, you know what, Deshaun Watson has an opportunity here. He, he can, he can't undo the past, but he can come out and he's 26 years old. As Chuck said, he's a, he's a young, he's man, a young right? kid, yeah, 26 yeah. years old. If he changes, then I can change and we can all change. Right? <laughs> oh, like, Thank you for going else. to Rocky for <laughs> yeah. my goodness. You thought I was, you thought I was about to get a little deep there. Didn't you? I don't, uh, I don't feel good still. I'm not going to lie. I don't feel good about this. I know there's a lot of wins coming. I don't know that I still feel good about that, though. Chucky, what do you think? It's a lot there. Um, so I'm trying to go back to what the original question posed was. Um, what should the Browns saw the, say to the fans? The PR. Right. So so I, I saw and I read through the, the PR statement. And I mean, he, he's a business owner. And granted, it's it might be different than somebody who runs a restaurant or a bar or whatever. But I think you either run the business how you see fit and you answer to no one. Or if you want to listen to concerned fans, I get that. But you can't have both. And it seemed like they were trying to get both. And I understand why they had to do it. Right. And like I get that because there is a lot of blowback, no matter if it's on Twitter or Reddit or and there. There are plenty of people who have been fans longer than us in saying, I will never support this team again. But I'm with Phil here in, in a way that I know no other fandom like I know my Browns like I don't have it the same way for the Indians or the Cavs. I love those teams, but it's Pronounced different Guardians. for me with the Browns. Guardians. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's been a part of my fiber in my being for 40 plus years. And I don't know if I can turn that off, but what I have to turn off, I guess is, and that's going to be the, the tightrope I walk this year and next year and the year after, because Phil is right. They are going to pile up wins. Like we haven't seen since the mid to late eighties is my guess, even with the way the division is. And I'm still trying, it's so fresh. I'm still trying to figure out how I fall in there. And I, I was reading something of all people. It was Steeler fans who made sense of it for me because the same somewhat situation with Ben Roethlisberger, it's, a, it's the same. I don't like him. I don't respect him but I've always supported this team and I will continue to do so. And that's kind of how I feel right now. I can't, like I had, to, I tried to have this conversation last night with my wife and I'm like, it's not like I could just put it down. What am I, am I going to adopt the, the bills as my new favorite team? Like that, that well, doesn't make sense idea. to me. It's better. I mean, <laughs> it's better Chiefs. than the Steelers, <laughs> <laughs> but, but for me, 
it's it's just so it's like something that I've always talked about. It's a year long cycle with the Browns and I can't lay that down. Uh, so what I'm going to try to lay down is maybe just look at it from a purely sport entertainment standpoint, you know, like not let it run my life. Like it, I used to be angry. Like we talked about you angry when they lose or whatever. Like, I don't want to be like that. I, I need to look at this so much differently for the first time in my life. Listen to me. I'm just word vomiting. I don't know the right way to say it or where it falls. I, I don't. Uh, but I, I understand why they put out that statement today. I just found it's like, hey, this is a multi-billion dollar man who owns a multi-million to billion dollar franchise. You can't have it both ways, dude. This is your business. You run it the way you want, or you listen to your concerned fans and you don't make them. If you have to put out a statement justifying why you made the move, should you have made the move, I guess? You know, it's like if somebody asks you, if I do this while I get in trouble, then don't do it. You know, like that, it's it's <laughs> it, like it's the same kind of thing to me a little bit, but ultimately... um, yeah, I'll just I need to shut up because I'll talk for 45 minutes straight and not know where it ends. That's OK. You know what I really appreciate from both of you is the fact that you're not fully decided or not fully at peace with how you approach this. One of the problems of the many problems with social media and with Twitter is it's like you've got to have your mind made up the instant you learn of what happened. And that's just not realistic with things that are complicated. And this is a complicated thing. I lose some perspective. My wife sometimes has to slap me and head me right in the right direction, but I lose some perspective because I spent years as a criminal defense attorney. And there's a part of me that looks at this and says, Hey, wait a minute. No court of law has found that this guy did anything wrong. And I understand that that's not necessarily how the rest of the world views it. But at this time, there are systems designed to find fault and guilt and liability, and none of them have found this guy liable or guilty for anything. There's a part of me that says, hey, pump the brakes and let the systems that are designed to find truth work because social media and our coverage of sports and athletes are not things that are designed to find truth. Stepping back again, even from that, because that's not a realistic way to fully grasp the consequences of what this guy has done or the harm that he did to the women who are involved in this. The other side of me that's perhaps too forgiving is I don't see that what has happened here means he can never again be a professional football player. Let the systems that are designed to punish, punish him, make him atone for the things that he did and make him pay for the things that he did, whether it's criminally or civilly. And it doesn't sound like it's going to be criminally and there will never be a judgment against him civilly because he is probably right now in the process of settling all those cases and letting them be done. But let him atone for what it was that he did wrong. Um, let him pay his debt to society, so to speak, and then demand of him going forward. Don't just be a good member of our community. Be a great member of our community. Be a positive influence in every way, shape, or form that you can. Make up for the things that you have done. And if you can do that, if you can be great in the community, and if you can be good to the people in our community and you can turn this horribly negative, disgusting thing into something that provides good, then go ahead and play football, man, and win games. Be somebody who can inspire people by the fact that you can rise from terrible decisions at 
25 years old to something better at 30 and 35 and 40 and 45 and so on and so forth. What I would, if I'm the Browns and I think that this is the process they're starting, I'm telling my fans, let's make sure this guy atones for what he did wrong, but let's give him a chance to do better in the future. You know, in five years, if he's been a great human and he's won a bunch of games, I don't know that we have to feel guilty about rooting for him or rooting for the team. This is way heavier shit than this show should ever discuss. Yeah. This is not a lighthearted conversation like I like to have, but I think it's 100% necessary to have it in this circumstance because right now, the way I view this is I don't feel right about making this guy the face of the franchise, the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, guaranteed. That's a whole other episode. Talk about why they had to guarantee the whole contract. But I don't believe you just get to throw this guy on the trash heap and and walk away. And he never gets to do again um, what he's great at, at 26 years old. I think we will work through these feelings for a long time. Um, And I think the wins will make it easier somehow. But I think the way he acts is going to make it, and not maybe even the way he acts, it's going to come down as it always does to the things that you do. And if the things that he does are positive, then I think we should be okay with rooting for him and rooting for this team. That was a lot, Gerbs. And uh, yeah, I, I think the wins, and you mentioned both sides of this, the wins are going to be the easy part. Uh, Absolutely. And, yeah. and that's, yeah, that's and I crazy. Think right. like, that's crazy rooting. coming out of a, a Browns fan's mouth, right? <laughs> yeah, no like, shit. The, the, the wins will be the easy part. And his actions for the rest of his career are what's important. That's on him. And, and even beyond his, his system. career. Yeah, sure. Of course, his, his, his actions for the rest of his life, his life yeah. will need to show and, you know, that. And I always that, learned exactly and moved right, on. because you asked the question that started this really deep conversation was what should the Browns say to their fans? And you know what? Words don't mean shit. Words are important, yeah. but words pale in comparison to action. Yep. And, and that's what's going to matter going forward. And that starts with Deshaun Watson and his support team and the Browns team as a whole. So we'll see how it goes. And, you know, I mean, the three of us are pretty forgiving individuals and, and level-headed. I think we'll, yeah. we'll sit back and yeah, our opinion may sway a few times along sure. the, the way and that's okay. And that's okay. I think again, we talked about this in the, in the emergency pod that sometimes distance is better uh, when it comes from, from this, but I was thinking about athletes. They're not all great people. Uh, I would assume the majority of them are not. Uh, and I'm talking like off the top of my head, I'm thinking about superstar athletes. And I think about Jim Brown scumbag yeah michael vick scumbag kobe bryant tiger woods all these guys had massive issues that it doesn't get talked about and and maybe because their life became much different like you're saying if they became better human beings then they're celebrated and uh, those guys those short on the short list of ultimate superstars in their sports you don't hear many people talking bad about those dudes anymore but you know what like michael vick is the perfect example like what he did was horrifying and he paid a, de- he paid a debt to society. Huge. The dude went to jail for yeah, like two huge. years. He has come out. And since then he has become like an advocate for taking care of animals and pets and stuff like, and, and like an advocate for the safety of animals and dogs. And um, he has done good. And you know what? Like right. he's an interesting one because the dog fighting thing is accepted in a certain community in this country. Sure. And he grew up in that community. And so like, he didn't have the benefit of knowing how wrong that was 
I don't know. That's a little bit too much. Like at some point you got to know, like, this isn't cool. Like innocent animals shouldn't be taught to fight each other, you know, for gambling. You've got to look at some of the societal things that brought him to that point before you can just judge him and say, you're a terrible person. You never get to do the thing you do better than almost anybody else on the planet. Again, it's a little bit too much of the defense attorney in me that wants to say like, you can't judge an entire life by one series of bad acts. Um, whereas I think there are some people who would say, no, you can. You're that yeah. person if you do those things. We could go on and on and on about this. I and know. I think it's it's not wrong to have this conversation. It's not wrong to talk at length about these things. It's not wrong to say, I have a daughter. I have a wife. Man, I think it's fucking terrible to disrespect women in any sort of way. Not only is it not wrong, it's exactly what we should be doing yeah. as a society. Like, let's yeah. talk at length about these yeah. things instead of ignoring it. And, you know, these yeah. kind of. Yeah, absolutely. I want to thank uh. you guys for participating in a difficult, but I think really good and necessary and heavy conversation that I think we will come back to in the coming months. But let's take a load off a little bit, go to something a little bit more positive and a little bit more fun, because that's what our show is about. Our spring guard inning segment reporting on the Cleveland Guardian spring training and probably the best topic we will get to talk about all spring starting pitching. So this is what I think the rotation is going to be. Number one, Shane Bieber coming off an injury plague 2021, but he's still a Cy Young winner. Number two, Aaron Savali also coming off an injury plague 2021, but he was 12 and five last year. Number three, Cal Quantrill, eight and three, 2.89 ERA last year in 149 innings. Number four, Tristan McKenzie, better late than early. In the first half of the season, he averaged 7.3 walks per nine innings. What the fuck? Second half, <laughs> <laughs> it was down to 2.29 walks per nine, which is way better. Uh, number five, Zach Plesak, 10 and six, but he did have a 4.67 ERA. Two-part question. Number one, do you think that's going to be the order of the starting rotation? And number two, of the three, four, five guys, Quantrill, McKenzie, and Plesak, who's having the best season? I think you're right in the rotation. The only thing I might flip is Quantrill and McKenzie, only because he finished a lot stronger than your starter, like he's saying. And then I didn't really, I haven't really bred much, but I, I have seen a few blurbs about that. Uh, he put on a few pounds. He looks unbelievably great at spring training, which I know is only five or six days old. Uh, <laughs> but I just think like that guy puts, uh, I mean, and plus they're taking the bat away from him. So he's not going to hit 500 anymore. You can focus on <laughs> pitching now. I think that guy's a, f a future number one for this team. So I think you're right to start the season, but I wouldn't be surprised if he moves up to that third, barring no injuries, uh, he moves up to that, that third starting spot at some point. So review with me, your order again, it went Bieber, Savali, Quantrill, Quantrill, McKenzie, and Plesak. I mean, listen, Quantrill was like a 2.89 ERA yeah, yeah. in 150 innings, which is not a small sample size. So Quantrill was legit last year. I think your order is fine. I think this is a great problem to have. I think I think after Bieber, the next four guys jumble them up in any any order, and it might work out just fine. I could see a guy like Plesak ending up being your two or three. 
you know, if he comes back strong and then McKenzie, you know, that's another guy that could, to Chuck's point that he, he might, if he finds it this year, he's so young and talented. And we saw some of that at the end of last year, all of a sudden he could kind of be your number two or three guy. Right. So I don't know. I, I think your order is fine. This is the depth there. This, this is getting me excited again, all over again, for, just like last year, like the depth <laughs> there is ridiculous. Like we are talking about a four and five starter that in years past, even on good guardians teams would have been our two would have been our two or three for sure. Right. I mean, that's, this is, this is great. So your question was the order. And then what was the second part of the three, four, five guys, who's going to have the best season. I'll lean towards McKenzie. Cause I think he was really going well. And then kind of ran into some, some injury issue a little bit in the, in the second half of last season. But, uh, he was really starting to figure it out in terms of what he, what he could do to keep these batters kind of off balance and he was just mowing through people uh for a stretch there and i think he'll be the guy that that ends up with the the better season yeah we should be friends because i agree 100 percent. i think mckenzie is electric he he just has so much talent that hopefully a, a full year in the bigs last season gave him some experience and he learned some lessons and he's going to come back with maybe his head in a better place for pitching in major league baseball games. I think that dude's legit. It wouldn't surprise me if he he wins double digit games with a low ERA, high strikeouts this year. I I think that dude is gunning for a fantastic season. It's hard to pick which of those guys will be the best because I think they're all really going to have strong seasons, but I think it's probably McKenzie that will be the best one. And we'll see. There's no reason why this can't be the best starting rotation in the American League by the end of this season. Of course, barring f- injuries, which hurt them last year, continue to hurt the Cavs. We're going to get to it real fast because we've already like, we're already like 40 minutes in and we haven't even gotten out of the first segment yet. <laughs> um, but Munch and Crunch, our weekly <laughs> Cleveland Crunch update. The Crunch closed out a perfect season on a high note before a sold out crowd at the NASP. That's the North Olmstead <laughs> Sportsplex. Another dominant win Saturday night. 22 to two over the sad sack swerve from Cincinnati. Uh, the crunch finished the season 12 and 0 and as the number one ranked team in the MASL two, they get a buy to open the playoffs and a much needed week off. So Phil, Chuck, are you ready today on the show to guarantee a crunch title? Yeah. Count me in. I'm doing it. Chuck. Yes. No doubt. <laughs> me too. Crunch all the way. I don't even know why they play these games. Deep (laughs) breath, fellas. Let's take our first break and we'll come back and we'll talk some hoops. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We're going to talk some hoops in driving the hardwood. We'll start with a sip of wine and gold, our weekly Cleveland Cavaliers recap. The Cavs battled and battled to a much better week than we expected. We were wrong. Cavs had an overtime win against the Clippers on Monday night, a scrappy loss to the 76ers on Wednesday, a come from behind twice OT win over CYO rec league all-star Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets on Friday, and another come from behind win Saturday night, this time against the Pistons. They finished the week 41 and 30, still the sixth seed, but creeping on the Bulls at five and pulling away from the Raptors. Like I said, we were wrong. None of us saw three wins last week. What are the Cavs doing to beat expectations again? 
I don't know. <laughs> You're our campus been doing, correspondent. <laughs> I know. I'm trying. I'm trying to succinctly gather my thought here. I'm just going to go. I don't know because they've done it the entire season. So since they've been doing it, they've exceeded expectations. And I said I would have been happy with two wins. And we debated whether they could beat the Pistons because they always play the Cavs really well. So to see them play four very solid basketball games, even in the loss to the Sixers. Yeah, um, still a great game. It's been a good week, not only to be a Cavs fan, but to be a Cavs correspondent. So I'm just going to say, hey, whatever you're saying, they're just going to exceed it. So, you know, other than me always saying they're going to play in the finals against the Warriors, uh, it was a great week when we thought the season is on a downslide. It's not looking good. The schedule's rough as hell for this time of year. There's a lot of injuries happening here. Players are being hot and cold. But oh, by the way, we're just going to take three of four against, you know, three really good teams. Really good teams. Um, Absolutely. Phil, give me something better than Chuck just gave me. Sorry. Well, I think <laughs> at least at least in the snapshot of this past week in those four games, what they did was they found scoring in from guys that we did not expect. There was a game where Okoro had 20. There was multiple games where Markinen was just setting okay. personal best. You know, there was what one of the games, I think he scored over 30, right? In the Nuggets yeah, game, had, maybe he had 30. 30 in, in this week, anyway, we got scoring and desperately needed it because two of those three wins were in overtime. So we got scoring from guys that typically aren't giving that kind of production. There was two of the games where three guys ended the game with double doubles too. I don't, I mean, that seems crazy to me. I, I haven't been yeah. paying attention to NBA stats my entire life. I don't know if that's typical. You know, you've got three guys ending the game with a double double. That's good balance. That's good basketball. We're getting back to the, what we talked about with the Cavs. Like there is no, there is no one shining star here that, okay, we don't win. If, if Garland doesn't score 30, we don't win. If you know, Mobley doesn't get 15 rebounds or whatever they spread it around from game to game and it's fairly balanced and they got back to that and i'm hoping they just build on this momentum the next few weeks we got nothing but playoff caliber teams to play we're gonna get to it phil i think you're right about the scoring and i think you're also right to allude to the fact that they got back to like what they're doing which is playing pretty good defense even though they they're missing a seven footer in the lane without allen there it's not the same team, but they've done an interesting thing where they started Lance Stevens all four games this week. And all of a sudden you've got Stevens and Okoro starting together. And yeah, you don't have a seven footer, but you've got two pretty big dudes who are really great defenders who won't necessarily get you the points you need, but they're playing the defense that you need from the beginning. And Lavert's kind of doing the same thing. Like Lavert didn't have a great scoring week, but he played good defense. He moved the ball around when he was on offense. Uh, he's still kind of a chucker in my mind, but <laughs> he, he was all right. But the scoring that from Markinen, when you needed it, he was all over the place. He was great. Mobley and Garland just do what they do. And Love showed up in the games where they needed him. And that was the thing is, that, again, just like spreading that scoring around and the double-double thing. Like they have this weird stat that the Cavs are like 8-0 this season when three players have double-doubles which seems like that's exactly like, what should happen. All teams that right? be undefeated yeah, when yeah. three players yeah. have double double. Yeah. 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 A surprising adjustment to losing an all-star player and still finding ways to win. I'm not sure because I don't pay enough attention to the rest of the league. Who is competing for coach of the year? I'm pretty sure it won't be Frank Vogel. It's a good assumption. <laughs> JB Bickerstaff has to be in the mix, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
it certainly has exceeded our expectations. And maybe we were a little bit sour just because we're Cleveland sports fans, but routinely week in and week out, this is the team that on all the national shows, if they're talking about who's the biggest surprise in the NBA this year, they say the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I think JB should not only be in the conversation, but leading the discussion. Chuck, you're our Cavs correspondent. What do you think? Uh, how can you not seriously consider him coach of the year to have them buy in defense first in the league that doesn't play defense first? And not only that, get stuff out of guys you wouldn't expect to get out of. And I mean, it helps that they drafted a guy who's a future superstar and not only rookie of the year, like he might make an all defensive team this year, too. Like he, yep. he should be considered oh, for that. Yeah. And man, did anybody know Kevin Love can still dunk? I had no idea he oh, could still man. get up. It was amazing. That I was the highlight that of my somehow. weekend. Yeah. yeah. He didn't get high off the ground, but he dunked it. Uh, but what I saw afterwards, and this is why I think you should be considered. Uh, they're, they're a real team, man. I don't know if it was Kevin Love posted a picture after the game against Detroit, but they are in the locker room. They're embracing each other. They're taking this photo where Kevin's got this huge chain on. Uh, and you don't see that that kind of camaraderie, uh, or at least we're not used to seeing that kind of camaraderie uh, much anymore in sports. But that's why I think this guy has them playing as a, a unit as an, and they all maybe they just all like each other and that helps out but how can you not think that guy doesn't get serious votes uh or run away with coach of the year he should all of what you guys guys have said is spot on and the fact that he somehow gets them to continue winning games no matter how many times they lose people they're missing two starters right now you know they're missing like rubio who was a key you know backup guy uh, and they just keep finding ways to win. And I think that's coaching. Now, there's a lot of things that you can put out to just, hey, it's just guys on the court are awesome, and you yep. can just roll a ball out and let them do what they do, and they're going to win 40 games. To do it with all of these injuries and to make the adjustments that he has, he, he's doing a masterful job. I, I would actually be disappointed if he doesn't win Coach of the Year this year because he's he's been great. Things are really, really, really looking good for the Cleveland Cavs. So next week, the Lake Show comes to town on Monday. The Cavs travel to Toronto for a game with the Raptors Thursday, back home for the Bulls on Saturday night. Is that Raptors game shaping up to be the biggest one against Toronto since May 7th, 2018, when the Cavs eliminated the Raptors in game four of the Eastern Conference semifinals? Or May 7th, 2017, when the Cavs eliminated the Raptors in game four of the Eastern Conference semifinals, or May 27th, 2016, when the Cavs eliminated the Raptors in game six of the Eastern Conference finals. Oh. I don't want an answer to that. Good. So yeah, good. Lakers, Toronto, Chicago, can the Cavs sweep the week? No, I think they get two there. I mean, the Lakers, are it, that's the obvious win, right? Like they're coming to town, but I don't know what that LeBron and Cleveland thing, maybe that, that goes away. We don't expect yeah. <laughs> who knows? LeBron is going for 50 yeah. on Monday, yeah. right? Yeah. At least, right. Yeah. At yeah. least, but I think they get two out of the three there and any way you slice it, that's huge because if they don't beat the Lakers, then it's, it's a win against two teams. You have to beat if they beat the Lakers and then one of those wins is against either a team. We're half a game behind or a team. We're one and a half to two games ahead. Two wins this week is good. I, I think that, that keeps us sitting pretty there chuck man do it do it yeah no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna three? they're not gonna, they're not gonna they're not gonna run the table but they should win against the lakers but lebron comes home that could get weird and if he scores 50 it's a problem toronto be great they they've they've played them really well but are they playing in chicago or at home 
They're Let's back in Cleveland against the Bulls Saturday okay. night. That's the game I'm most interested in watching just because the last time they played, I think we had the conversation that we saw a distinct difference uh, yeah. in the teams, uh, at least. And that was maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I don't remember what it was. So that's the game I'm looking most forward to because that's that's the best team they're playing this this week uh, and, and one that would be nice to gain a little ground on. But I think they can get two wins. I just don't think it's against the Bulls at home. Well, cowards, I think they're getting all three. <laughs> the Bulls are two and eight in their last 10 games. Uh, the Cavs have played the Raptors well all season long, and it's going to be a huge game. And I think this team shows up for a big game. And I think they beat the Lakers. Even if LeBron scores 50, the Cavs will score 100. That that's probably means they're going to win that game. So I have, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> LeBron will score 50. The Cavs yeah. will score 100. And like the Lakers will end up with like 76. I'm done doubting the Cavs. I want to be right next week. I think they take all three. I think this is this team is starting to pick up some momentum with the guys they have, and they're only going to get healthier and they're only going to get better. But the NBA is not obviously the only hoops happening right now. The NCAA tournament kicked off. One of the best weekends in sports is coming to an end as we record. And of course, the NCAA tournament is all about upsets, and this week has not disappointed. So which of these was the biggest upset of the weekend. St. Peter's University takes out Kentucky and then Murray State to reach the Sweet 16. St. Peter's University, founded in 1872 by the Society of Jesus in Jersey City, New Jersey, and offers night and weekend classes in Jersey City, Englewood Cliffs, and South Amboy. Next one is number 11 seeded school from up north, upsets Tennessee, to make its fifth straight Sweet 16, head coach Juwan Howard punched two coaches and kicked a trainer to celebrate the win. Last one, number eight, North Carolina. Basketball's promised land takes down the number one seed defending champs, Baylor Bears. Apparently no truth to the reports that former Houston Oilers head coach Jack Pardee took over on Carolina's bench while it blew a historic 25-point lead with 10 minutes left in the game. By the way, Jack Pardee was the head coach of the Oilers when they blew that lead to the Bills in the playoffs. That joke yeah. t- takes a lot of knowledge to get to, but it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, we're going to be here all night. So which yeah. of those three was the biggest upset you saw this weekend? Uh, it's it's always going to be uh, the small school. So for me, it's St. Peter's. Uh, I watched most of both games, I love when you see a low seated team like a 15 not be intimidated at all. And not only that, like handily win sometime. And then I don't know if you guys caught like some of the press conference with their coach and they'd ask him, how are these guys not, you know, how are they not intimidated? You know, and he's like, we're from New York and New Jersey. You're like, that's what we do. We intimidate, we bang bodies. We're not worried about it. Uh, so I like that. Like guys who think they should be there. It took me, I think the first half, I didn't Google it. I didn't bring out my supercomputer. I was like, is that a peacock? What is, what is, yep. what are, what is it their is logo? A peacock. Yep. a peacock is a very intimidating animal. Apparently for me, it's them. I, I love Cinderella's and these guys, I'm not saying they win their next game, but you know, like I think the last bit was Oral Roberts because they beat Ohio State, but Oral Roberts is a terrible name for a school. I, I, it's always going to be St. Peter's because have you ever watched the St. Peter game any at any time no. other than against Chanel? Weren't they St. Peter or Chanel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I think the most surprising upset is my memory. I could have swear to God, Jerry Glanville was the coach of the, the, the Oilers in the, in the game. And it was I, not, I, it was Jack I believe you, I, I believe you, of course, because you looked it up. So I'm like, oh, my, my memory has been upset. But in terms of NCAA basketball, um, yeah, St. Peter's, they, they're a 15 seed. They, they knock off the blue blood Kentucky team and then go and win again. Not that it happens that often, but you see this 14, 15 or 13 type seeded team win their first round game. And then, all right, then it bounces back to reality the next week and they get destroyed by whoever they line up against. So I'm going with St. Peter's here because um, I want to see a 15 seed. Let's just keep marching all the way to the final four. As a diehard North Carolina fan, I want to say Tar Heels. And, and that was wrong. one of the most <laughs> absurd games I've ever watched in my life. Yeah. Like to watch them blow a 25 point lead yeah. with 10 minutes left and then go to overtime and assume they're going to get creamed because they've just blown a 25 point lead in 10 <laughs> minutes. They're not going to come back in overtime and win. And they, for them to come back and win against a really good Baylor team, there was some weird stat that in their last four tournament games, which would have included the final game and the final four of the year before, they had only trailed for one clock minute in those games. Oh, and then Carolina came back, and this is not a good UNC team by any means, but they came back and they won that game. But obviously, you, got, you guys are both right. St. Peter's is, is a wonderful story. It's exactly why we have the tournament. It's exactly why we love the tournament. It's exactly why we should keep doing it and expand the field to 128 <laughs> in the first round. Um, just so we can have like another like three weeks of this. Um, fantastic. Go Peacocks. I'm 100% in. The great news is that the return of the tournament also means the return of the Cat Tank Tournament. Our NCAA bracket challenge with all of our high school buddies where the loser has to wear the cat tank top on this year's yearly trip. This tournament, I'm reminded of the 1991 twins, the 1999 Rams, the 2001 Patriots, who all made history going worst to first. And we may see <laughs> similar history in this year's cat tank tournament. I have held tight to last place and to the cat tank for the last three years, but I am in third place right now, but in very close striking distance of first place. So scale of one to five, one being a kid in a candy store, five being a kid forced to sit through a dinner party with his parents. How excited are you to see me make history? I'm, I'll give it a one. I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> Thanks, I'm, man. I, uh, you know, for nothing, not for nothing, just to see the cat tank, uh, you know, comfortably hug someone else's body this year. <laughs> it's form fitting. It is. Chuck, how about you? For me, it's a, it's a one as well. Even though I thought you can pull it off, you've worn it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think somehow. you wore it last year. I think you strategically forgot it last year. No, not two, years ago, oh, two, two years ago, two years ago, I forgot okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Last year, I wore it. I think you look good in it. <laughs> but it's still a one because you got to share it. You should share it with somebody else. You should be able to put that thing on. And I mean, let's be honest, if it's any other, other of us, we're going to stretch that thing out probably a lot more than you did. So hopefully it's not me, but still. I'm, I'm hoping for Tersik or Shantz. I'm pretty excited. So on that note, we're going to close out this segment, take our final break and come back and talk some Dolly. Oh, uh-oh. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment and our old dear friend of the show, Dolly Parton, was back in the news this week. On Monday, Dolly tweeted that she was rejecting a nomination to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 
because she has yet to make a great rock album. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame stole a play from the Browns and basically told her <laughs> that they would not let her break up with them. And if you look at it, it doesn't really seem like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has ever been limited to just rock and roll acts. James Brown is in, Run DMC, Whitney Houston, Tupac, Jay-Z are all also in. Country stars Johnny Cash and Hank Williams are both in as well, among some others. So, scale of one to five, one being Aaron Rodgers, five being a turtle in its shell, how bad does Dolly want attention with this move? I really think it came from a place of realness for her. I'm going to say it's like a two. I don't think she wants attention for it. I think that she was just kind of saying what a lot of people are saying. You know, there's all these people in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they're not rock and roll. And she crafted or her PR team crafted a perfect statement yeah. saying, hey, you know, I'm looking so forward to creating a great rock album to be considered. So I don't think anything Dolly does is really for attention. I just think she's that good of a human being. So it's a, like a what might be a one and a half. Well, one is Aaron Rodgers. No, I thought one was uh, no, the turtle. Aaron, with the, no, five is the turtle. So you had a so, four and a half. So you had a four and a half. I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to four. I swear one was. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to whatever the closest to the turtle is. <laughs> yeah, all right. Add a 0.5 to it. <laughs> it's been a long night. Don't sweat it. Bill, what about you? It's a seven. No, I don't know. I don't know that Dolly is trying to gain attention here. Although, didn't she just release a brand new album like a week ago? Didn't that happen? She released an sure album recently. Yeah. So this definitely gets her back into the news cycle, and which is weird for us because she's never out of our news cycle. Like we're we are we are all about Dolly. <laughs> she's part of our culture here. So I don't think Dolly was looking for Aaron Rodgers type attention. I'll, I'll give it a three. It, it's kind of in the middle. What I took from it, and this was just my my own personal Dolly Parton bias, I think, is I can't wait for that fucking rock and roll album. Like that's gonna be really good. Like I, I hope I hope that comes out soon and we get do like a deep dive on it. Like that would be fantastic. I love Dolly. I'm gonna put this at a one. Give me a oh, break. No. There's a bunch of artists that aren't technically rock and roll who are in the Hall of Fame. There was no reason to do this other than the fact that it makes her look even more like a saint than she already is. Uh, the criteria to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is that artists become eligible for induction 25 years after the release of their first record. The criteria also includes the influence and significance of the artist's contribution to the development and perpetuation of rock and roll. Should the Rock Hall be limited to just rock and roll? After all, no one is advocating Babe Ruth should be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> okay. Um, the uh, well, I mean, here's the here, here's yeah, I got you. I got a fair a, point. A more yeah. serious way to look at it is there is like a country music Hall of Fame, correct? Uh, and there's a rock and roll Hall of Fame. Why should country music artists be in the Rock Hall? Because we don't put baseball players in the football hall of fame. Country music artists probably wouldn't be in the rock and roll hall of fame if they didn't start opening their doors to all these other acts. Like you said, R and B hip hop and all these kind of things. Cause there isn't to my knowledge an R and B and hip hop hall of fame. And maybe there should be, you can't put the, the lid back on that, that jar, right? Like that, that's already They've already done that. You've opened that up. Like it, here it is. So now it's a music hall of fame. It's that's what it is. That's what it's been for quite some time. I, I think I could be wrong here, but I, I think there's a bit of an eye roll from a lot of the performers regarding the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for a variety of reasons. Everything you just listed there, at least it's objective, but it's 
it's kind of a strange, you know, you're not I don't know that I on, think it's subjective at all. What you listed is objective. Like it has to be 25 years from their re- initial record release, these kind of things. Right. Then it becomes very gray after that. Like after that. Than, yeah. Yeah. It has nothing to do with. And there numbers. is a hip hop hall of fame in New York city. Just so is you know. there, there is. Yeah. And I've not been there. I gotta go. <laughs> I'm go. Not right now, but I mean, I, I should go. It's what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know. It's a music hall of fame. It once it was built in Cleveland and they, they continue to do the inductions in New York city, which they had done for a long, long time before the actual physical structure existed in Cleveland. It, it kind of changed. It, it became more of a, this is music and we're going to celebrate it. Chuck, what do you think? Trying to <clears throat> wrap this in to your Babe Ruth analogy. <laughs> that threw me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. The difference here, I think. Yeah. The difference is so Babe Ruth is in the football hall of fame. Babe he Ruth is? never no, that, that was Gerber's <laughs> like, oh, well, Babe Ruth's not considered for the ball. It's not like Babe Ruth ever, you know, when he was a pitcher, ever threw the ball and then tackled the guy running first. It's not that he ever, when he was a pitcher, threw a football instead of a baseball. Rock and roll has taken influences from all different genres of music to make it rock and roll. So that's why I think it's okay that these artists who might classify themselves as country or hip hop or whatever, uh, the biggest thing you're saying uh, when you were giving the criteria is the influence. If you ask probably any major female singer, probably from 1980 something, maybe not even to now, unless you're Miley Cyrus, they would say Dolly Parton is an influence or the reason I started singing is because of Dolly Parton or I wish I could sing like Dolly Parton, whatever it is. That's why I think it's okay. And I think Phil's right too. It's a music hall of fame at this point. Uh, one, because if it was, you know, when, when we say rock and roll, our generation thinks Pearl Jam. Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots. But when in, in the roots of rock and roll, that's not what it sounded like. Elvis didn't sound like grunge or metal or anything along those lines. It's always been a genre that takes the best of other music forms and, and puts it into that form. So I think it's okay. Uh, plus, I think they also got to sell tickets every year for people to walk through those doors <laughs> and appeal to as many people as possible. Right. So it's all right that Jay-Z gets in, even if we don't agree with it or Dolly gets in or whatever it is. Uh, it's always been a genre that stole from everything else to create what they thought was something new, but is really not. It's just based in blues and soul. That's one of the biggest things is if you were just to say, we're going to limit this to like a category that we can somehow define as rock and roll, then you eliminate all of the bases for rock and roll. You eliminate the fact that like it came from the blues and and it came from R&B. How do you put in Elvis or the Beatles who are bands and artists that found their inspiration in the blues and then not include the dudes who were blues players in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It doesn't make any sense. I, I think the reason why Babe Ruth and in the Pro Football Hall of Fame is a terrible analogy and makes no damn sense <laughs> is because baseball isn't derivative of football, where rock and roll yep. is derivative of all these other kinds of music, including country music. Like, you can't yeah. draw those lines that they're not somehow connected. I, I think it is probably, in the end, a, a music Hall of Fame. It's like the ultimate music hall of fame. Hip hop derives in some way from rock and funk and everything that it uses as a background to rap and hip hop songs. And so how do you how do you keep those guys out when they're making something great and they, and they have the legacy of 25 years that the, that the hall requires? Maybe it would be better if it was called the Music Hall of Fame and not the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
But in my mind, it, it covers everything. And all of these things should be in. And this is why Dolly's nonsense is just silly. You're going to get in and there's no reason to try to act humble about it. Like you're just going to get in and you belong there and you deserve to be there. And you've got an absolutely iconic history of making music that inspired or perpetuated rock and roll. And I think Miley's a great example. Miley is absolutely a rock and roll star at this point, And she's absolutely inspired by Dolly. And so I think Dolly should be in nonsense to consider anything else. Nonsense for her to try to stay out of it. Of our 2022 nominees, other than Dolly, who, I don't know, show of hands. Does anybody disagree with me that she should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No. All right. Knows all around. So some of the other 2022 nominees, are they in or are they out of the Rock Hall? First one. Lionel Richie. I'm going to take the approach that this is a music hall of fame with everyone you asked me and absolutely Lionel Richie should be in the hall of fame. His body of work. And you start yeah. with the Commodores and move forward so before he- well, even around Michael Jackson time. There was, there was probably no bigger pop star than him. And he continues to influence, which is weird country acts now like country loves Lionel Richie and he sings with all of them and he did an album with all country stars I think he's got to be in like that guy's voice was well probably I, I assume he can still sing super smooth Um, and whatever the name is where he has that like half afro with like the gold background album with the weird sweater on <laughs> yeah everybody yeah. had that album oh, man yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it's called but like hello's on, on there. the ceiling right it's right? on the or ceiling yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a hit after hit yeah he yeah. should be in for sure are the Commodores in they should be in I don't know if the Commodores I don't know if in. the Commodores are in or not. I'm not a huge Lionel Richie guy, but my wife is um, loves the Commodores, loves Lionel Richie, and so for her sake, I'll say that I agree that Lionel Richie should be in. Good. Uh, next one, how about Pat Benatar? For sure, that was a time when there were a few female bands or solo acts like Joan Jett and Pat Benatar that influenced a lot of young females to like that format, that genre, uh, and kind of were out front uh, when it was typically super male dominated at that time, at least the rock side of it. And plus she had massive hits too. I don't know why I would have, honestly, I would have thought she was in by now. I didn't even know she wasn't. I don't know if she's been nominated or eligible before this year she is on this year's ballot phil what do you think i'll get to pat benatar in a second the commodores were inducted (laughs) in the alabama music hall of fame in 1995 and that's it that's it they were doing in the hall of fame (laughs) what brick house alone should have them in the actual hall of fame right i mean come on shit (laughs) yeah anyway well pat benatar this is a thing though phil that like springsteen went into the hall of fame in like 99 and it was like another 15 years before the E Street Band went in. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to separate Bruce and the E Street Band. Yeah. Hard to separate Lionel Richie and the Commodores for sure. But anyway, we're talking about Pat Benatar. Now. Yeah. Pat Benatar should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. I, I'm going to throw my, uh, not that this is throwing someone under the bus. bus. Uh, Pat Benatar is, is a fantastic musician. My, my dad uh, grew up on you know, sixties and seventies rock and roll. That that was his thing. And, and a little bit of Motown and that kind of stuff. And I remember he started buying Pat Benatar albums when I was old enough to know what the hell he was doing. And, uh, you know, like, all right, he's playing Pat Benatar. I'm like, okay, this is, this is different. This is not, you know, what I would normally hear uh, my dad playing in the car and, and those kind of things. And it was, it was good. She is a rock and roll hall of famer for sure. I'm a hundred percent in on Pat Benatar getting in, not entirely because 
her nephew went to grade school with me and really? I met her oh. once in the parking lot of like the drive up line what? to pick up she kids was picking up her, after ne- her nephew. <laughs> so she came to our school and to like to pick up my, my buddy Brad. So her lead guitar player and her husband, Neil Geraldo, his sister was like my buddy's mom. And so like she showed up and signed an autograph she for was, me and hung out. She was in awesome. the uh, carpool rotation. I'm like, all right, she I, was. I got Tuesdays. Exactly. That's fantastic. All right. Next one. Judas Priest. Oh, Judas Priest. <laughs> uh, I don't know. And I'm going to base this on ignorance more than anything. Only, only that I, I know Judas Priest is more of a, of a like, heavy metal kind of satanic kind of group right <laughs> I don't know right if satanic i don't know well, if they that's can be. True. it's all right i don't know like, if they're straight satanic but yeah like, uh, well, it's fine. a metal well, band it's, it's a metal, a metal band, band that sure. is so judas priest i don't know i don't know that i know enough about their body of work to say that they should be in the hall of fame shouldn't you always know who right should be so in? that's kind yeah. of where i why i pause because i was like you know you, you go to other heavier metal groups over the span of time and I mean, even Metallica kind of, they crossed over a bit, right? Like they, they became, not that they're pop, but they, they became more popular, so to speak, in all sorts of ways. So you look at your, I don't know, your Megadeths and your, you know, those kind of groups. So I, I'm going to say Judas Priest is out because it's not someone that I think, oh yeah, definitely. They have influenced music. I think they've influenced music greatly and and probably meddled because they were a little more accessible and the it, you know like it's going to be weird to say but like the, the fashion aspect of them too uh kind of worked and they they kind of defined metal a little bit when it became leather and studs and that stuff but what you guys are saying gerb you put, you put a percent you, you got to know what you should know right off of that either they're in or they're out and other than you got another thing come in which i assumed inspired a lot of people to start playing music i just don't think they're in because I, if i'm going to what did they influence and was it a huge one on rock maybe for a little bit but i don't know maybe it brought it shit they might have been responsible for glam rock for all i know because they got a little more flamboyant after that but no i don't think they're in i'm they're sh- i'm shutting out judas priest i don't even care how about rage against the machine <laughs> <laughs> chuck Ray, rage yeah start with start with chuck for, but yeah it is for sure, they should be in the Rock Hall of Fame, not only for influence, but listen to I don't know how much time you guys spend with Rage Against the Machine lately. The stuff on those first three albums applied not only then applies even more now. They're one of my favorite groups of all time. Uh, and when you would think that two genres clashed um, and they didn't go so well together at that point when you had a very heavy rock sound and a hip-hop MC in front of it. It works and it still works. If you told me, take out Zach, no lyrics whatsoever, I would still put Rage Against the Machine in the Hall of Fame just for the way they changed how music sounded. You're talking about guitar players. People will go, you know, like Eddie Van Halen. And then to me after that, it's Morello. Like he changed the way music sounded uh, in that time. And people didn't know how the hell he did it. He made that instrument sound so different. And I assume he's just as responsible for people picking up guitars as Ace Fraley was, or as Eddie Van Halen is. There is no doubt they should be in it. I'm shocked that they they weren't in like at the first opportunity they could possibly have gone in, even with the limited catalog. I mean, I don't know if they were eligible before this year. I mean, 25 years ago, they had an album uh, come out in I'm looking it up now, early 90, like 91. Was 91. Oh, okay. Oh, 91. Geez. All right. Yeah. Phil, what do you think, Rage? Absolutely. They should be in. 
for the influence alone. That's a band that is even currently, even right now in 2022 is being covered by other bands. So talk about influence, right? Like they're, these other bands are releasing rage songs and they're hitting the top 100 that that's influence right there. So yeah, they should definitely be in. I'm, yeah, I'm learning I'm, more about Judas Priest as we as we talk about this. this is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I pled ignorance and I was not wrong there for sure. <laughs> I was ignorant to Judas Priest. <laughs> I'm with you on Rage. Definitely like an outside of the norm band at the time that proved to have a sustainable sound that was very, very influential and like a sustainable message. Like they, they were just smart rock and roll stars that I think that is what makes like a really, to me, makes a really good band or really good artist or really good songwriter, just the intelligence behind what they're doing. And the weird thing about how people approach rage, like they were like something to be afraid of when like these were dudes who were just like being loud about peace and fairness. Jeez, man, like the f are we all missing if we, if we're afraid of these dudes. So I think rage definitely should be in. How about MC five? Uh, <laughs> I mean, rage did cover one of their songs on the cover album, but I, I know they influenced a lot of people. I can plead ignorance. I don't, I've never even once searched them on Spotify and said, I should check these dudes out. But I know they, they had a massive influence on a lot of dudes. So, but no, even I put them farther below Judas priest, not getting in. And I'm, I might be wrong. I just don't a guy, like you're saying, who knows a lot about music. I've never thought, Ooh, I need to listen to kick out the jams more. Never. I'm super impressed that, you know, kick out the jams is their best song. Cause I had to yeah. look it up when I saw them on the list and yeah. I did look no, it up on big... Spotify. And listen to him and kick out the jams is by far their number one song and not fantastic. Yes. Phil, what do you think? MC5? I am really impressed with Chuck's knowledge of MC5. So am I. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Shocked um, That was like yeah. the joke was that nobody would know who they were. <laughs> All I just found out about MC5 in, in the last 30 seconds, other than what Chuck threw out at us, is that they're from Michigan. So fuck those guys. <laughs> oh, well, oh. I didn't even know that. But I didn't know they were from Michigan. No, I love the beautiful, yeah. beautiful state. So I guess what we've come down to is that it should be obvious who gets in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And Dolly is obviously somebody who should get in. So she should not be trying to dodge yeah. this or somehow get attention from some sort of fake humility. Anyway, winning time. Episode three is coming out tonight. Denko, what are you hoping to see? Well, episode three. I cannot believe we're two episodes into this thing and Magic Johnson is still not on the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess on a surface level, I'd like to see him in, in, you know, the, uh, the purple and gold, maybe in, in episode three, I think that would be great outside of that from just the show itself. I, I didn't know this until we got through episode two, but they're pulling in different directors for every episode. So Adam McKay directed episode one and Jonah Hill directed episode three. And I'm, I'm not sure who's up for episode or episode two. I'm sorry with Jonah Hill, but I'm not sure who's up for episode three. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they do. They keep the same feel of this show, which I think they did a pretty good job between episode one and two for sure. Yeah. There was a little bit more of that, like in your face, kind of, this is funny. And we're going to make you laugh at this with the McKay episode in one, you know, with the, the black, 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 or white, 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 you know, yep. flashing in the background. There was some of that in episode two, like the poor guy's funeral and the like, Bob, dead guy was his description like oh man but it wasn't it was different and you could feel it so i'm interested to see how do they have kind of a common feel as the series goes on 
and then you know as we get into episode three are we are we going to finally see some although i you know i i'm gonna i was gonna say are we gonna finally see some basketball but honestly i i i'm into this show i don't care if we don't <laughs> i i don't care if we don't like i'm i'm into the character development i don't care if we don't see any on the court uh actual basketball in episode three i would care about seeing basketball in episode three only because the show's about the showtime fucking lakers who pretty much revolutionized the way basketball and celebrity kind of intersected but what am i hoping most to see how about fucking episode two i'm waiting for my wife to watch the first one so we can watch together so my and in granite's you know, she's taking care of the, the, the kid all day and, and she's pregnant now, but there's no excuse. She has two weeks to watch a 50 minute episode, which I know she would enjoy. So ultimately, I'd like to watch episode two. That's what I'm looking for this. Week. <laughs> I 100% agree with you. Get off your ass and watch some TV. Um, <laughs> stay on your ass up. and watch the TV. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, stay on your ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sort of with Phil, I guess, is that last week I said I was really excited to see how they were going to do the actual basketball. And then I watched all of episode two and there was no actual basketball. So what I'm hoping to see again in episode three is some actual basketball being played on the screen to see if they can pull it off in a way that is realistic and, and and fits the story and fits the mood of the show. Up until this point, the only actual basketball you see is the one-on-one -on -one game with a guy in a fur coat or a chinchilla coat Basically, in episode yeah. one. Basically, yeah. yeah. Storm, Which Storm is, and Norman. I'm not, I'm not saying it's... That's bullshit. So, no, no. Yeah, so you, I'm, see, I'm you see a full basketball game in episode two, but it okay. is a, it's a pickup game in All East right. Lansing, Michigan. Yeah. Uh, which is a disaster. That's not what I'm yeah, about. It's a disaster. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah, you don't yeah, see yeah, any yeah, NBA yeah. basketball. Yeah. 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 Which is super weird because I mean, the preview leading up for the last six weeks, there seemed to be a lot of, I mean, I saw sky hooks in the preview. Yeah. I saw, you know, like it's, it's hot good. passing. It's, it's in gotta happen. Right. Or else hope. this season is going to be 75 episodes long. <laughs> you know, like it's going to take forever to get through it. <laughs> Boys. We're out of time. I'm out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning Jake Paul made an offer of 60 million to stage a boxing match between Kanye and Pete Davidson. But that news that we were wrong about boxing hitting a rock bottom last year. <laughs> I hope you guys have a great week and let's get together Hello. and do this again real soon. Absolutely. We've yeah, we've been wrong about a lot lately. We've been wrong about a lot of shit. <laughs> we're, we're on a bit of a we're on a bit of a shit streak here. Yeah, <laughs> we're gerbering. <laughs> Notifications and emails from the Muskegon risers yeah, because I ordered those tickets online. Yep. Like, Hey, yep. we're hosting our first ever playoff game because they're playing next weekend against uh, maybe like the Chicago team or something is coming in, but um, you should go yeah. and scout for the crunch. No, um, I, <laughs> yeah. I hit unsubscribe and it, it was one of those ones where it was like, tell us why. And I wrote, because I'm a Cleveland crunch fan. <laughs> 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 it's crunch time baby yeah that's right it's crunch time it's crunch time rise this <laughs> um, 
So I think, fellas, I think we got a long show tonight. Um, so we're going to dive in okay, and cut the chit-chat because uh, we might be here for a while. <laughs> um, and I've made an executive decision. I don't want to throw you guys too much. Um, I think I'm going to cut out the opening question. It just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't feel like it fits anymore. And I really like making the indeed.com jokes, but then it's kind of like yeah. too many jokes like at the top before we like get into it. And so um, Danko, the opening question was going to be you tonight Damn about it. a uh, a rideable electric goat that was created by Kawasaki. <laughs> and it was going to be like, is this how we're going to get around now? We're going to be riding electric goats. It was like, it, it's like an it's like an electric vehicle. It's just a goat that you ride. Yeah. So um, that's, um, it looks like a goat. Yeah. It's, it's a goat. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. You cut that. Good thing you're cutting that. I would have, I would have dropped some terrible dad joke. Like, oh, that sounds bad or some shit like that. You know, I'm like, come on. Yeah, that's good. That. We don't need that. That's, that's pretty great. <laughs> oh. Congratulations. This is making the outtakes. Yeah. Sure. I think. <laughs> well, there you go. Just ask the question every week. And then you could either cut it I might, or yeah. put it in the outtakes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I might do that. Some, I don't know. It's pretty funny sometimes, like the shit that comes. It is. <laughs> but you know what? Like, um, it just seems, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm afraid that if you're a new listener and you hear from the top and that's what you hear at the beginning, like you're thrown because like, wait a minute, this, I thought this was about Cleveland sports. And so I just feel like we just got to dive in. Yeah, as long as I don't get really excited and throw the microphone or pull anything out, we should be okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good deal. Or I'll just whisper the whole show. No, you don't need to do talk, that. In, talk in your, your FM radio voice. That's right. I'll, just, I'll stay down here. I'll get real fired please, up. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> okay. All right, let's go. <clears throat> wrong about the Browns refusing to let Baker Mayfield break up with them <clears throat> for God's sakes, man. Like Jesus said to forgive people. Like <laughs> why can't, if Jesus thinks we should do it, maybe we should do it. You know, maybe you we should Jesus forgive. Christ can't I'm, catch a slam pattern. <laughs> I'm cutting this part. I'm cutting the I'm, Jesus. I'm going to make part. that a running gag every week. Now. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> Last this will week, be the in the outtakes. Yeah. <laughs> The best topic we'll get to talk about are all spring start. <clears throat> Nikola, Nik Nikola Jokic. None of us saw them winning three week three. God damn it. <clears throat> Chuck, you're our Cavs correspondent. What do you think? Oh, God damn it. That's <laughs> no, deep. Looks thought. like he's asleep. <laughs> We're going to lose them, and we're going to be here <laughs> all night long. Fine. I'll switch from beer to coffee, and I'll just stay up for the minute. <laughs> <laughs> we're good. We're good. Uh, this game is over. Auburn. Auburn oh, is there over. he goes. Oh, he's, oh, he's back. Going back. Hey. Going back. hey. <laughs> Do you know the Browns signed Desha Deshaun? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. When did this happen? <laughs> While you were gone. Two days oh. ago. <laughs> Grief. Took over and count. <clears throat> where the loser has to wear the cat tank top. 
contributions to the development and the per- oh, this could be so tough to do after three whiskeys. Um, <laughs> the and and I don't I fine if you want to worship Satan, it's fine with me. I not that much different than worshiping anything else, <laughs> you know. So well, it's well, well, we're yeah, cutting yeah. that part easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that jake paul made an offer of 60 million dollars to stage a boxing match between kanye and pete david pete davidson Davidson. close enough david (laughs) pete davidson he's not going to space he could use the money Yeah, well, no, he was he was yeah, drafted easy. in like 79, 79 right? 79 or 80, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, 79 or 80, yeah. yeah, so you 10 years of his career we have to cover. <laughs> We're well, two episodes into a 10-episode thing, um, so, and, I, and he and, hasn't even joined the team yet. Anyway, so, this is what we're gonna, supposed to be talking about in the next segment, but... Uh, all right, well, we can get there. Go ahead. Yeah. No, 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 no. Save, well, I, I just... I think it's a 10 what else is going guarant- it's, it's a 10 episode <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a 10 episode season no matter what so maybe they're, right now. <laughs> maybe they're gonna so do I well. got this thing I don't know if you're gonna be able to see it can you see that thing on my arm yeah I can yeah this is called a chill and this is like a hangover patch and so you put it on an hour before you start drinking and you oh. wear it for like eight hours and it's supposed to like replenish you as you're going and keep you from being hung over the next day now i started with it yesterday which was like our like our town's like saint patty's day celebration so we had a 5k in the morning which by the way jason gerber the fastest male between the ages of 40 to 49 who competed in the 5k yesterday um I'm not sure if there were anybody else in my age group that competed, but I know that I won. Let's um, assume there was like a hundred. There's only like there's only yeah. like 89 people who ran. Period. But you know. <laughs> um, uh, and so I like we and we do a big like pub crawl in town, like in the afternoon for St. Patty's Day, and so I slapped it on yesterday, drank all day, um, woke up this morning feeling like horribly, horribly hung over. So put another one on when I woke up this morning and like an hour later felt fucking fantastic. Really? And so I, I, you know, we went through the day and this evening, Tammy and I went out for like an early dinner and a couple of drinks, you know, um, put another one on <laughs> Jeez. like in addition to you didn't replace like you're, you're just slapping them on the the other one, took the other one off <laughs> oh. put a new one on still wearing it and we're gonna see we're gonna see how i feel tomorrow i i, I feel like you can out drink them um but they're still really good things to have and it's just like um it's just like vitamins there's nothing it's like a bunch oh, of yeah. b vitamins and shit like that so it's not like you know doing any harm having it on i think i could have it on like every day and you know wouldn't do any harm. you have to but always anyway, put like, it on your arm you got to put it someplace where they're where it's like clean so it's just skin so no hair so i can't put it on my chest i'm a horribly hairy animal um but i've been switching arms not your pubis either i'm assuming i assume you can't put it on your dick. 
<laughs> your balls. That's right. You was, could. So yeah. asking. Yeah. You could. Yeah. yeah. A, that uh, vitamin infusion right in there. <laughs> What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?